would have considered it a silent night, a holy night. Travelers jostled in the city gates. Weary fists pounded on closed doors, pleading on the outside, arguing from within, all to the same refrain, no room. Among the houses rang raucous Roman laughter, census takers with comfortable quarters and plenty of food and wine. There is little peace and less goodwill between stranger and villager here. Somewhere a dog barked, a lamb bleated, a woman moaned, and a baby cried. Out on the hillsides, exposed to the cold night, without even a stable for warmth, shepherds huddled around the fire, guarding their flocks against thieves and wolves. Suddenly, a light to split the darkness, a voice a song, a chorus of angels. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a child, a son, a shepherd, a king, a savior which is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. Awaken, O little town that cannot sleep. Hear the shepherd's words. The angel's message. And arise to a sound unfamiliar. The triumph of joy. There you go, a triumph of joy for a season that uh, we need, and it seems like we need it every year when it comes around, a reminder of hope, but especially now. And so as you can imagine, Mary and Joseph coming in to Bethlehem, they've been on a long journey, and Mary's pretty pregnant at this point, and uh, they're looking for that, you know, four-star hotel in Bethlehem, and they can't seem to find one, and they knock on door after door, his door is shut. I think we come to this character who we'll talk about in this passage. Uh, the innkeeper is somebody who, over history, over 2,000 years, has been played by the kid in the Christmas play who's been practicing that line. All he has to do is say, there's no room. There's no room. And shuts the door. But the good news about this character, and I think like many of us this season, we're trying to look for some way in the midst of everything that's going on, how can we be an encouragement? How can we bring hope to a world that needs it? And I think the innkeeper in this way was somebody who said, maybe there wasn't room in a guest room we'll look at for them, but there was a room somewhere else that I think he provided. And so as we jump into that, I want you to think about that. And in all of this, God's plan as well, sometimes we don't think things go exactly the way we do. And I want to show you just another slide uh, that says God's plan affirmed by, and then there's some categories here I want us to look at, authority, lineage, and everyday people. So God's got this all-encompassing plan in his hands, and as Mary and Joseph were coming into town, uh, and they thought, like, we're like the last people probably to get in here. Everybody else who's been able to travel faster since hearing the news, because Mary was pregnant, and as you know, that probably went pretty slowly to get there. They went a long journey, and they finally get there, and they're going, what do we do? Where do we go? No Airbnbs, right? No cell phones to call ahead, no online bookings. You can get that space. It was what you got when you got there. And so this first idea I want to take a look at is authority. 
that confirms God's plan. And it's verses 1 through 3. It says this, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. It all went to be registered, each in his own town. Well, aren't you glad that when there's a census... Uh, you don't have to go back to your hometown. I was thinking about that this week as I was reading that. I was going, oh, man, wait, I was born in Fort Worth, Texas. That means I'd have to you know, get on a plane or in a car and then go all the way down there and then hang out until all the census takers had done their work, right? Uh, now it's a lot easier, isn't it? You, you can even do it online. And so, uh, But back then, they said, when there's a census, you've got to go back to your place of origination. And so they took that journey But I think there's something interesting here that's taking place. We tend to overlook in regards to the whole story of Mary and Joseph coming into town. They're coming to Bethlehem. We know they're supposed to go there. That's fulfilling what the prophecy tells us. Uh, But then there's this other thing going on, that the authorities, that the people that are in power in places of positions of authority uh, are going, yeah, we're going to tell them. We're going to show them who's in charge. Let's take a census. And all the while... This is all playing into God's plan that he's already set up in advance. And so as people go, we're in charge. This is what's going on. We can tell them what to do. God's going, yeah, exactly how I thought it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen this way. And so they roll into town for this registration. And I want to read Micah 5, 1 through 4, because it kind of helps us understand what's taking place here, why they're moving into this setting, and how God is using uh, everything that's going on to bring glory to himself. And so in Micah 5, 1 through 4, it says this. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Erephatath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. So who really has the authority and the power in the situation. I'm sure if you were to ask Mary and Joseph at the time, they would have, you know, would have not gone, we feel like everything's under control. Um, if you've, um, you ever had a child on the way? And uh, there's sort of, sort of this expectation, right, that um, the, the kid will be born like on the due date, right? That's what's supposed to happen. So with our first, Christina's first, Alana, um, she was a little bit late and so in the wrong position and all that stuff. And so uh, we, we ended up going in closer to around the time of the due date when it was scheduled. Uh, but then when our second came along, Hannah, a little bit of surprise. I was going, wait a second. <laughs> we were supposed to have a little more time. She ended up coming early. And if you've ever been in that setting, you're, you're not like cool, right? Everything's not cool. Everything's not good. You're not going, no, you're going like, okay, where's the stuff? Wait, we had the bag packed. Okay, now, now what do we do? And you just have to drive to the hospital, right? So hopefully that's not too far away. Mary and Joseph are going, okay, eight months unpregnant. Um, all right, now we got to get back to Bethlehem. Okay, do you have the stuff? Let's get there. And uh, traveling 90 miles, like, you know, we go like, that should have been pretty easy. I mean, paved roads, nice cruise control set. We get there, no problem. Well, in all likelihood, there weren't any paved roads. This was a difficult journey, and especially for someone who was pregnant, probably riding on a donkey. You imagine how long that would take? Most scholars say about a week. 
about a week for someone in that position. And so you can imagine just get, finally getting there and they're going, like, oh man, yeah, God's in control. I mean, we know that, but where are we going to stay? Where are we going to stay? And God, who's got ultimate authority, already knows what's going to take place and he's already set this up. And so I love that. And maybe they, you in that situation too, you would have a difficult time trusting, but, but God's got it under control. And the first key is authority. And the second one is lineage. So this lineage confirms God's plan. This is found in verses 4 through 5. It says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So this journey that they're, they've gone, they're about to go on, they're getting ready to know where they need to go. Uh, this is not, a, not an easy trip. And then I was thinking about just kind of making trips during certain times of the day and the season too. And I don't know if you've been out lately. Well, by, well first question, is there, who's finished their Christmas shopping? You just raise your hand. No, I mean, no shame. You haven't finished. It's okay, right? So a few people finished their Christmas shopping. So Bam's like, I haven't. I'm very stressed about it. I'm still trying to figure that out. So, yeah, so me too. I'm going like, okay, there's a few things. But if you've gone out, like, even in the middle of the week, like, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. Like, all the parking lots are filled up, and you just, like, feel the anxiety as you're trying to find, like, a spot. Like, uh, and, and now, like, nowadays, I, because this happened to me, like, you take, like, the spot in front, and somebody else was trying to go for it, and they get upset, right? I've had that happen before. Somebody's, like, yelling out the window, like, you took my spot, you're like, okay, you can have it. <laughs> it's not worth it, right? And, but that's the setting that we're in. I can only imagine in a similar way as Mary and Joseph, they're coming into town. It's like it should be a, this joyful occasion, and they're knocking on the doors. No room, no room, no room. And they've traveled all that way. And I wonder what frustration was going on too. And you might have felt the same way. You're walking in there, you're going, okay, yeah, I know God's in charge, you know, he's got the authority, right, and, and, and the angels came, and he said this, and, and Jesus is going to come one way or another, right? He's going to come, we just have to find a place, and this authority's already confirmed it, and David's going, hey, look, I know, like, this is the way it's supposed to happen, we're in the lineage, right? God has confirmed this through who we have come through, so we shouldn't be concerned about that, and he's reassuring him every step of the way, well, don't worry, I've got it under control, I've got it under control, and he reminds us that he does for us as well. And I want to finish it out in the last couple of verses and just spend a little bit of time here in verses 6 through 7. And this is the last piece. Everyday people confirm God's plan. That's hard for us too, right? We walk into situations like this and we're not done with the Christmas shopping and we have to go, God's got it under control. I mean, I'm stressed out of my mind, but God's got it under control, Right? And then for Mary and Joseph, they know. Right? We know the plan, right? He's told it to us. The lineage confirms all these things that are going to take place. So we come through the line of David. And now we come to the situation where uh, really uh, the rubber meets the road for us. Everyday people, like the innkeeper, who, who get to look at the situation and go, what can I do now to make things a little bit better? What can I do right now to go... I, I trust God in all these other spaces, or at least I'm trying to. I'm trying to trust God in all these other spaces. So what do I do now when I get, when I get to verses 6 and 7? Well, let's read it. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. 
Now, we take some inference on the text based off of all this. We read this and we go, now, what was the situation going on? And scholars have written about this for years. We've seen the Christmas plays, the kids' plays, where you know, the, the one kid who's in Hebrew, he loves his job because he's got one line. And he just says, there's no room. And he walks off the stage, yes, I did it. I don't think that's where the story ended. And I want to point your attention just to this last word used here. Uh, this word, the inn. So there was no place for them in the inn. And if you've ever done any study, you've ever looked at the story that surrounds Christmas, we a lot of times glance over that. There's no space for them in the inn, so they found a spot in a barn, maybe, right? But here, what's going on is that there was this individual, I think, more than likely, not necessarily the individual who was the manager at the Best Western or the Hilton as they came into Bethlehem, and, and they've knocked on a few doors or a few hotels, and they finally get to this last place, this inn, and they're going... Occupancy full man should have gotten here before. No, I think this was just an individual. And the reason why is because this word here for in is the word katalume in the Greek. And it's this word for guest room or dining room. This space that was used on a regular basis by a family. Maybe to house uh, visitors. Maybe you have a guest space in your house. And you, you like keeping that space set up and well. So that when somebody comes, when a family member or somebody in need comes, you have that space for them. And here I think this person who was one of many who Mary and Joseph knocked on the door going, is there any room? And the person who I don't think was an innkeeper, I think they, was, they were just an everyday person, an average person. If you know anything about Bethlehem, it was not a large place. It's not a large place to this day in comparison with the rest of the ancient world. And so there wouldn't have been a lot of places to go anyway. But when they came to this space, this person who was standing there, who had a guest room, said, yeah, the guest room's full. I mean, I don't know if you've been anywhere else. Yeah, we've been a lot of different places. Yeah, our guest room's full too. But there was another space they could go. And while scholars have talked about this for many years, this place that they end up having, Jesus, is in the text too. It's referenced here for us. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. So the setting this would have taken place in, in this manger, this, this trough that would have been used for animals, it makes a lot of sense. So as this individual, who's, who's probably the man of the house, he sees this young couple, and he's like many of us, if this, a young couple came to your door, or pregnant, or this baby's coming, I mean, one way or another, and this guy has compassion. So I think instead of maybe this character who's been a villain for a lot of us for 2,000 years, I think maybe this individual is somebody who took who took great pains or great mercy to, to go, you know what, I'm going to figure out how to help you guys. And so there may be not any space in the guest room, but there's this other place you can go. It's this overflow space. It's kind of like maybe this barn space that's attached to the house. Uh, maybe the animal stayed. Uh, I know we, in this area we, we have a lot of livestock and farms, so we deal with that on a regular basis. So maybe you're familiar with that. Maybe you're not. Uh, a lot of us, too, have you know, those empty barns, some of them nicer than others. I love barns. They're so cool. And it's like attached on your property. I love seeing those, especially ones that are like really well you know, upkept. Um, and that would have been the space that they found themselves in. There's no room in the guest room, but there's another space that you can go to. It's maybe not even been prepared, but I'm going to go and I'm going to get that space ready. And where was Jesus born? Like the king of the universe. And we think about that and we go, oh, and poor Mary and Joseph, I mean, they, they kept knocking on the doors and there was no room and there was no room and there was no room. And that evil innkeeper, man, shame on him. Like, where were they supposed to go? They found themselves in a barn. But I think this individual, like many of us who are just going like, ah, in this craziness, right? 
It's not just Christmas, but everything else that's going on. We go, how are we supposed to point people in the right direction? How are we supposed to have courage to be graceful and to be kind? And I like what David shared about that key that Paul talks to the churches about. He says, how are we supposed to do this? We're supposed to do it in love. And we're supposed to go, God, because you love me, right? Because of in the season, isn't that what it's supposed to be about? And Jesus came because God loved us enough to send his only son to die on the cross for our sins so that anybody who would choose to believe would have eternal life. And that's the story for us, isn't it? It's a story of hope. And it's about a God who loved us more than anything else in the entire world. Anything else that he had made, he said, I love my people. And I'm sending my son, and he may not be born, born in a five-star hotel or even a four-star, which many of us would like to stay at as we travel. But they found themselves in this overflow, this barn space, and he was born in this manger. And I think this character, like many of us, are going, what do we do? What do we do in this season? We've got to figure that out. How can I be that person? Maybe it is just like you're pulling up to the, the Target or the Walmart or the wherever. I've got to get that last gift. I've got to get this thing or five below. I heard somebody talking about five below. And I can only imagine what that's like. <laughs> you pull up and, and you got one of those close parking spaces and somebody else is pulling up and you go, go ahead, go ahead. Or you help somebody in line. They're dropping something. There's a lot of different ways we can do this. But instead of being the person that maybe adds to the frustration of the situation, maybe somebody who just makes it worse because what are we doing? I mean, in all of this, we're going, well, no, I'm really thinking about other people. Like, I'm trying to get that gift, you know, for my kid or that thing, and I know they want that. If they don't get they're not going to be happy. Well, what is all this wrapped up in? Well, trying to please, I think, ourselves more than anything, trying to make people think, oh, we're, we're better than we are. We deserve more. And this guy, this innkeeper, this just regular everyday person, I think as we read through this, and as Jesus was born, we're able to look back and go, how can I be a part of that solution? How can I be a part of helping? And so there was this song that I looked at just about everyday people. Some of you may remember it. Some of you may have read about it after it came out. There was this song entitled Everyday People. And it was written by this band, Sly and the Family Stone. I don't know if I said that right. Somebody else can tell me afterwards. In this song... They sing about, I think, the situation, everyday people. How do we make a difference? Well, in it, they say, sometimes I'm right and I can be wrong. My beliefs are in my song. The butcher, the banker, the drummer, and then it makes no difference what group I'm in, everyday people. While we got to live together, I am no better and neither are you. We're all the same. Whatever we do, you love me. You hate me. I'm everyday people. And in this song, I think that this group encompassed a lot of things that we struggle with and we deal with on a regular basis, that there's so many differences, and it seems like now there's been many more that's been added to it. And in this Christmas season, we ask, how do we navigate this? How do we, when we're reading the story about Mary and Joseph coming in and Jesus being born, we celebrate that, and we go, God, that's amazing, that's awesome, but what does it mean for me right now? What do I do when I read that story? I think one of the things we can do is when we leave this place, we go, and God, we trust you, not just in your authority to know that everything's under control, even though at times it seems like it's spinning out of control. And God, we trust that you had this perfect plan set up through Mary and Joseph, that they would come through this line of David and that Jesus would be born just like you said he would, and they would end up in Bethlehem just like you said they would. And Jesus would be born, but now what do we do? 
What like the innkeeper, like this just regular everyday person, what do we do when we leave this place? Well, I think it's wrapped up in this, that we understand the love that God's given us and that we trust in this plan that he has for us, that he's confirmed for us this authority and this lineage and just being an everyday person that really believes us. Because I think when this rubber meets the road for us, it's not about making things better for us, right? It's not about getting that perfect gift. It's not about if the tree doesn't look right as people are driving by, you know, and the lights are on, and we got the window open, I hope they see it because I hope they think I'm, you know, a good Christian person. No, it should be about how do we make the season better for other people. And I love um, just hearing about some of the things that we're doing and we're closing out today. It's like the mitten tree, um, getting those gifts for kids uh, that need them, that may not get anything else from anybody else this season. Um, I love that we're helping out with School 19 through the Taylor's Ministry. Um, just they're getting blankets and books. I got to see several of you uh, last Sunday night as we were um, you know, having our little fellowship time, uh, having some good treats. But something else I got to see that I think was better than the treats was just people writing in books and praying over these books that I know some kid's going to get, and he may not get anything else. But when he opens that book and he sees that somebody has, I know some of us just wrote in there, hey, I prayed for you. I don't know who you are. But I prayed for you. And in this book, I want you to know something important. And you wrote a Bible verse down or something like that. And that kid may not get anything else like that this season. He may go to a home, whether it's broken or full, and not hear anything else about God. And maybe like one of the kids in Andy's class going, what does God have to do with it? Maybe that kid will get a piece of that to be able to see that. Maybe that's just a small thing that an everyday person can do. I would... I would encourage you to think about that this season. What does that look like for you? What can we be involved in? Maybe it's your own personal ministry, um, something to somebody next door or someone else. Um, And again, I I don't know exactly what that is, but I want to trust that uh, in this we're thinking about this plan and what it means and the hope that we can have. So the question is, what kind of person are you going to be? The everyday person who gets a knock on the door and goes, there's no room. That's the end of the story. Or... Somebody knocks on the door, or maybe the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart, and he says, you need to do this. And I think that's probably different for every single one of us in the room. And so while you're going to go and spend time with your families this week, as you're going to open gifts, things you've been waiting for and anticipated for a long time, maybe, I want us to think about what can we do right now? What could we do today? Uh, What could we do this week leading up to Christmas as people get busier and busier and they try to finish things up before that time? How can we be like this person? who opened the door and said, I don't have any room here, but there's a place that you can go. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here today and uh, you've you've thought about that the Christmas season and and maybe you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so this season means a lot of really awesome things for you. Uh, But maybe, I don't know, you're listening online uh, or you're even here in person. You're just going, you know what, I just don't get the, the story. I don't get the reason for Christmas. And what we believe is that Jesus came. We celebrate that this week. He, he lived the sinless life for us after being born as a baby in a manger, in a lowly place. Scriptures tell us if we would believe that and confess with our mouths, then we'd be saved. And so I always want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you're online listening. You want to reach out to us. Uh, feel free to do that. Uh, or maybe you're here in person. You just want to talk about that afterwards. Um, I'll be here to talk to you. Uh, what I want to do is pray for us and then just give us the opportunity. Uh, we, we get to celebrate communion uh, every once in a while. 
And uh, so today we get to celebrate that leading into Christmas. And so I'm going to pray for us. Um, but then I want us to just kind of operate in a continual season of the Spirit. Uh, and then we're going to get to celebrate this together. Uh, and we'll make sure that you get one if you didn't get one already. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, thank you for um, your word. And um, just being able to see, God, that you are in complete control of everything. Uh, God, at times, uh, it's difficult for us to see this. At times, we wonder, uh, what's going on? God, how can we help instead of make things worse? God, I just pray that in this season, uh, you would help us to see that. Help us to see how we can be in helping hand. Um, help us to see how we can be the, um, the love that's needed um, in the world, that we can share the good news of the gospel Um, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins after being born and living that sinless life, that we might have eternal life. Uh, God, we thank you for that. And it's your name we pray. Amen.